All right, my friend, here we go. Another episode. Yes. Ready? I, yes, I'm very ready. And this is a topic that I really like talking about. So should be a good yeah, one. Yeah, this is a cool one. We're going to, just to let everybody know right off the bat, we're going to talk about kipping. When you use a kip to do various movements. And this was originally, this popped into my head, and I can't even remember, but one of the previous shows that we did on the YouTube channel in the comments, there was one individual who left a comment that sparked a conversation that went on four or five comments deep. And in one of those, there was a sentence that caught my eye. And so I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And it basically, this one sentence that caught my eye was, stand by, um, and I'm over here training kipping pull-ups because it will show up in the open with no mm. other benefit to it than that. That, I was like, oh, that's kind of good. So so-and-so doing kipping pull-ups only because I think they're going to show up in the open and there's not another doggone reason in the world why this person would do them. And I was like, man, just kipping in general, I'm sure is very well understood by people and an utter and complete mystery by some other folks. And so there's our show. <laughs> in a nutshell. Well, a lot of places to start, you know, and those of you that have been listening for a while, you know, I like to go big picture. So maybe we'll start there and then we'll start drilling down to, you know, this individual athlete's experience with kipping pull-ups and why or why not to use mm -hmm. them in his program. But let, let's start big picture. And I think kipping as a concept is something most people don't um, give enough credit to or, or talk about in a broad enough light. You know, kipping is not a specific technique that is uh, unique to one movement, like a pull-up or, mm -hmm. or otherwise. It's a broad application in gymnastics and acrobatics where you use a redirection of the hip you know the most common is you're going to go from a piked position to an extended position like so a flexed uh, hip to an extended hip rapidly mm -hmm. and that's to try to displace your center of mass and get the thing moving effectively so that then you can pick that momentum up and use something else further down the chain once the system is already in motion and so, again, you got a, a redirection of force to try to displace it and then get picked up somewhere along the line. So now the to, effect to, of a pull-up... To push back on that, isn't that just yeah. a fancy word for cheating? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah, definitely cheating if all you're looking through is the lens of movements have to be rigid and strict, which mm -hmm. in many cases, that's appropriate. But like so many tools, you have to ask yourself, what is the right tool for the job and why am I doing this and when is it appropriate? That's where the discussion starts to get interesting. And so, again, if we kind of use the basis of kipping where you're going to see it in gymnastics and acrobatics, a lot of times most techniques that, that are going to use a kip is when you have to start below something and get above something. So you see a ton of different techniques in gymnastics that their basis is at that kip swing. Um, mm -hmm. and the utility of that is once you learn the basic mechanic, you can apply it to a bunch of different techniques, which is pretty cool. There's a universal application there and it takes a lot of coordination. It takes timing. It takes finesse to get that to a point where it's really smooth and it's not this big, gross movement. It's actually pretty subtle. When you look at the best people do it, you don't see this really gross flexing and extending of the hips. It's much more uh, subtle than that. And that's because they've developed it to the point that it's really, really, really efficient. It's pretty cool when you look at it in that manner. Um, 
So yeah, that's you kind see of the people that are, that's setting that are the table. great. They have a nice tight body, so to speak, when they yeah. do it. And, you know, it's certainly not how I looked uh, when I first had a, a big flailing body, quite frankly, just due to my right. inexperience and lack of proficiency with the movement. Some might say that that continues today, but just to a less, a less of a degree. Great definition well, you, of, of kipping. But in, I was going to say, go ahead. Well, you can also see when you get tired, right, over sure, the course sure, sure. of a workout or a set, you can start with a really nice refined technique. And then over time, it's like, man, it really starts to degrade. You get the old like 2005 frog kip starting to show yeah. its head again. <laughs> yeah, I remember the frog kip. I'm not, I'm not scared of a frog kip. And so, I'm not either. <laughs> you know, largely, I guess depending upon, you know, the first time that I actually was exposed to kipping, this is going to go way back was probably around 1998, which was, you know, I didn't get into CrossFit until 2005. So this is about seven mm -hmm. years prior to that. I was in college in the ROTC program there. And we had this one guy in the ROTC program. His name is Tyler. Last name begins with a B. So if, Tyler, if you're hearing, hearing this, never forgot. He was a prior enlisted Marine. So he'd already, he was like six years older than the rest of us. He'd been out, mm -hmm. went into the Marine Corps at like 17, 18 years old, did five, six years or so, got out. Now he was going to college. And we were doing pull-ups one day at the gym. And he was, as far as I, he was flailing around on the bar. And I was like, what are you doing? We were doing like ten, one up to 10 back down to one of, of strict pull-ups. And he showed us this thing. And he's like, this is kipping. And I was like, what? I've never even... What is this witchcraft that you're doing here? This is the dark arts right here. And, and he actually said, and I didn't realize this, and maybe some Marines can chime in in the comments here, especially old school Marines, that pull-ups are a part of the Marine Corps physical fitness test. And for a while, kipping was allowed. 100% good to yeah. go in, in the physical fitness test. And then they removed it and it had to go back to strict. And I don't know where they are right now, but apparently for a while. And he was in during some time where it was permitted. So he learned how to kip because he understood the value, we're going to get a higher score, et cetera, et cetera. But I'd never seen anything like it. And to the uninitiated, when I saw him doing that in the pull-up bar, nothing about it seemed positive and good. I was like, this guy's yeah. cheating and he's flailing <laughs> around and those are like easy pull-ups and all this stuff. And so you you might have that first exposure yeah. if you're unfamiliar with it and then you're scanning YouTube or you're seeing something and you some cross thing crosses your path and you see somebody doing kipping pull-ups and you're like, look at those cheaters just flopping around on that pull-up or how dare they just desecrate such a, character. <laughs> such a sacred movement. So, and yep. again, I've been there. And so it is, you know, without question, you know, I, I when I explain kipping to somebody and it is largely associated with pull-ups, you know, I say to mm. some degree, you're using more musculature versus less musculature to accomplish the movement you're using, uh, depending on how you're doing it, you're getting a little bit of, of hip drive involved in there as well, which be it in sport or life or anything like being able to engage your brain and your hips and, and, and harness that momentum to accomplish work is a really useful thing that has transference outside of the gym on the field of sport and all this kind of stuff. And we get back to what you said a couple episodes ago that caught everybody off guard, which was Hey, remember when you did CrossFit to do things outside of the gym and to be good at those things? <laughs> this, you know, 
this more musculature versus less musculature is largely a good thing here on planet Earth. This being able to harness the power in your lower extremities and midline, which is so much more than you're going to get in your upper body, that's a good thing in general. And it's not saying that you have to do it all the time in every movement, but it's a great skill to have at your disposal should you ever need it. And so that is, to some degree, linked into where we're going to go here. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really think that's an important point where most people seem to discount this. It's a really fundamentally important skill to be able to coordinate one part of the body to assist with another. And that's what the KIP is. It's this really awesome handoff and transference of power from one area of the body to another smoothly and in a coordinated fashion. And that's a really, really valuable thing to learn. And it extends beyond just one simple application. Um, and, you know, the momentum thing's a little bit funny. And I can get it when people haven't seen things outside of kind of the normal gym application of a pull-up, which is just strict. And that's, you know, end of story. Mm -hmm. Sure, the first time you see it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you follow it kind of through its logical machinations, if you are going to claim that momentum used in any context when you're looking to, you know, improve your strength and conditioning, it's kind of a nonsense statement because you're going to throw out a lot of things if you live and die by that type of attitude. So, you know, a couple of easy examples right off the bat. Okay, if momentum is the enemy and, you know, kipping pull-ups are this big cheating movement, well, why would you ever entertain using something like a push press? Is that mm -hmm. valuable in your repertoire? Yes or no? Well, it's pretty similar, just kind of inverted when you're looking at the mechanics. Uh, why would you ever learn to do a clean or a snatch where you're using the momentum and acceleration from the floor to finish the movement and elevate it further than it would be otherwise? Is that useful? Even something like a jump is going to use momentum, maybe not to quite the same degree because the handoff is less so, but you know, jumping is not something that you can do slowly. If you jump slowly, it's called a squat. You don't leave the ground. You don't, the acceleration is necessary to break away from the floor. My, so my, my joke, my joke to other people <laughs> was, would, I would say that uh, box jumps are kipping box step ups. Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so now I, I think there is some validity. Maybe it's a bit unexamined in when people see it, they think it's cheating. And I do think that there's plenty of CrossFitters that are not particularly responsible in their application. And I think maybe that needs a little bit more examination than just this blanket statement of I hate it or I love it. Because either yeah. of those is kind of goofy. Yeah. And let's so I guess we can get into table that thought for a second, you know, of, of okay. maybe some um, the application, so to speak. Yeah. But just if I could sprinkle in a couple more things as to the why, you know, we kind of said what it is, and yeah. we touched on for a second why it may potentially have value. Mm. But, you know, to not really geek out, but to geek out just a little bit, you can go back and find the episode that we did on the 10 general physical skills. We took a nice deep dive on those, talked about the organic components, what that meant, the neurological ones, how power and speed, ideally, if you want to really optimize developing your power and speed, you're going to want to harness both the organic and the neurological. So you can go back and really get into that episode if you want. But with something like, and again, you can kip on various things, but it's such, it just, the pull-up just sticks into people's minds. So I'm going to throw that out there for a second. <laughs> yeah. you know, with, with something like the pull-up, 
strict versus kipping, you know, when, I, when I'm doing a set of kipping pull-ups versus strict pull-ups, I'm requiring more of those 10 general physical skills, not less. And, and specifically the neurological components, the demand of coordination, accuracy, mm -hmm. agility, and balance go through the roof when I have a kipping pull-up versus a strict pull-up, which is why if somebody can do 10 strict pull-ups, but they can't get a kip down or they're struggling with it, it's, it's not a range of motion issue. It's not a contractile potential issue. It's not a muscular stamina issue. It's all the neurological components. It's the sequencing. It's the technique. Mm -hmm. You know, their brain has to start sending specific commands to various you know, to have this symphony of wave of contraction that's appropriate to get the movement done, it's very demanding initially. And so I'm using more of that, not less. And so that in and of itself is beneficial. And then if we're going, you know, back into just classic cross methodology, you know, um, just the foundational bedrock stuff, this is an oversimplification, right? But intensity is a very good thing to drive your fitness forward. And if we're talking intensity, we're talking average power, getting more work done faster. The kipping pull-up is going to allow me, generally speaking, to do more work in a shorter period of time, more pull-ups in a shorter period of time. My body weight did not change. The range of motion, so the distance did not change. I'm just doing more in less time. More average power, more intensity, more good stuff. Again, an oversimplification, but all of those things are roped into why that I think if you initially just are disregarding the kipping pull-up because it seems to be this swinging, cheating deal, and you peel back some layers, there's some great utility and value there that, that should give it good consideration in your program. Yeah, and I like that example of more power, and I, I think it's important to put that in layman's terms sometimes because people don't often connect with that on a visceral level. Um, they're like, cool story, more power, what does that really mean? <laughs> uh, but, but if you put it in perspective using real world examples, it can make a little bit more sense, uh, I think, in, in, intuitively. So we take a workout like Helen. I know we use this as an example a lot, but it is such a good example of so many things that, that are good about CrossFit. So, you know, the goal of a workout like Helen is not to have any one element create so much localized muscular fatigue that you get stopped in your tracks at any single spot. The goal is that you have this continual movement and each one of them is short enough that you can hit it pretty hard and there's not enough overlap between the elements that one is going to interfere so much with the other. So you finish with the run. Yeah, you wind it a little bit, but you know what? You can pick up that kettlebell and start swinging because there's not so much overlap between those two movements and the demands of those two movements that you're stopped in your tracks. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the, the swing and the pull-up and then again, the pull-up back to the run. Now, if we look at the pull-up and we were to say, okay, this is a strict Helen, what's likely for a lot of people, I mean, the very fit, they're, they're in the category of their own, so let's not worry about them right now. But the average person, you know, you or I, we, we go out and do, maybe not you because you're really good at pull-ups too. <laughs> <laughs> I go out and do Helen and uh, I get through that first round. I get to the pull-ups and maybe I can bang out that first uh, set strict, no big deal. I come back around for the second round. And now I get to the point where I'm really getting fatigued and maybe I have to break that set into two or three different sure, sets. Yeah. All of a sudden it becomes a very different workout with a very different outcome. No longer is it this sustained, really difficult conditioning effort. Now it's a question of when can my upper body recover quickly enough so that I can get back on the bar. And that's a, t that's a totally different outcome, even though mm -hmm. it looks pretty similar on paper. And some people would look at that and say, well, stricter is harder. 
Well, harder for what? Harder for the local muscular endurance? Maybe. Or the local muscular stamina? Maybe. Harder as a conditioning effort? Probably not because that break allows you a little bit of recovery and it's not quite as difficult in that regard. So you have to weigh the pros and cons. Now, I think there's an argument to be made about, well, what do you value more? And that's something you're going to have to answer yourself. But if we're talking about a CrossFitter with that mindset that eventually I want to be generally fit across the board, you're going to have to contend with both. The answer is I want both. I'm not going to be satisfied just to be the person that's a conditioning right. monster. I also need that, that local muscular stamina. And so I think this kind of leads me to this idea where people have so much ire about it. When people see kipping pull-ups, they assume that is the only thing that's trained. Right and now that's where the rub is. And I think there's also some CrossFitters that get lazy and that is the only application of pull-ups that gets trained. And that's, that's, I think where the, a lot of the contention starts to come out. Well, it makes sense because I kind of jotted down some rough bullet points I wanted to hit before the show started yeah. today. And, you know, one of them was, what is the, what is the kid? Why do we do it? Blah, blah, blah. We've kind of, we've hit there. And then one of the ones I had was, what is the proper path? And to some degree, I think you're talking about that. And and I think where people get a little upset or confused is you can you can kip before you're ready to kip. And I don't mm -hmm. recommend that, sure. that anybody does that. And if you see somebody doing that, it probably won't leave a good taste in your mouth. You know, strict strength is a critical component and foundation. And this is said all the time in CrossFit. Now, whether or not somebody listens to it and applies that <laughs> yeah. is a totally different deal. But we you are going to walk our own path, Pat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you are you are supposed to develop beautiful, pure, strict capacity. From sure. then on top of that, you're going to add, for lack of a better way to say it, momentum. You know, some speed, some mm. explosiveness, a violent hip opening, and it makes sense, right? If you can't walk. I'm not going to take you out and sprint you around the track. You know, if you can't mm -hmm. operate the vehicle in first gear, we're not going in fifth gear on the highway. Like you have to have that foundation. The, you know, and I would also say, you know, with regards to what's the proper path, and you touched on this a second ago, I personally feel that once you have learned to kip, and let's say you've, you've built a nice little strict foundation and it's appropriate for you, you start kipping and life is just great. I think it is a mistake that many people make if you don't regularly work in some strict work to what you're doing. I think strict work is is incredibly Agreed. valuable. And if from yep. the day you learn to kip, you never touch the strict the strict stuff again, I think you're doing your overall uh, general physical preparedness a disservice, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Yeah, and I think that uh, goes for so many things, and we talk about this all the time, where uh, it's easy to start falling into the trap with a little bit of CrossFit experience where you effectively begin to specialize in CrossFit. And that's where I think this attitude of like, well, I do kipping pull-ups because they're going to be expected of me. It's like, man, why, why wouldn't you just do kipping pull-ups because of the utility and then train all these other cool variations of pull-ups as well? Different grips, weighted, mm -hmm. strict, different positions. You know, they all have their place. Uh, you can think of rope climb as an extension of a pull-up. Absolutely. Uh, a legless rope climb. I mean, there's so many different variations. And again, if you're thinking about it from the purest CrossFitter mindset, you should be wanting to develop all of those. You shouldn't be satisfied with like, well, it's good enough because that's what I think is going to happen 
when I, uh, you know, go to my local weekend throwdown or whatever. It's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. the development is worth it on its own because that's what expands your overall fitness. It doesn't matter if that is what the test ends up being. You want to be better than that. You want to, you want to transcend that. That's, that's the point, in my opinion. And you get yourself into hot water. You know, I kind of chatted a second ago about what the proper path is. And I said, develop yeah. that strict strength. <clears throat> and there's that saying that is prolific in CrossFit for good reason mechanics, consistency, and then intensity. Mm-hmm. And you can violate that at your own peril. And the same is true with this. Things can go wrong if you kip before you're ready. Now, the, you, know, you wouldn't want to do it in any way, shape, or form, but the kipping pull-up is maybe an example where the stakes of something going wrong are low. You could fall off the bar. You could you know, have such a violent kip, your grip peels off. Like, sure, those things can happen. But where I've seen it go wrong is on the rings with the ring muscle-ups because you might sure. get somebody mm-hmm. that that has some decent explosive hip drive and they just oomph themselves up onto the rings, find themselves in that bottom deep ring dip position, but they have not developed some pure, just real strict static position strength down there. They got up there in a hurry and all of a sudden those rings flail out in 18 different directions and things go wrong. So that's, you want to have that, that strength, that, that base of support before you start adding speed into it. Just nothing's gonna, nothing good is gonna happen from adding speed to something you can't control with just you know, beautiful strict movements. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one more thing I'll say just about the benefit of, uh, let's not just put it in kipping, but, but dynamic movement in general, um, is that there is some utility and benefit on a physiological level that you cannot get through strict movement alone. You know, there are certain properties of tendons and cartilage and, and the joint that are better trained through dynamic movement. Now, that seems like heresy for most people that, uh, you know, have kind of followed this orthodox approach from <laughs> the 60s Nautilus movement and, and kind of beyond. Mm-hmm. But there's some really, really good evidence to suggest that there are certain structures within the body that respond really well to dynamic loading. Now, that doesn't mean maximally dynamic and right out the gate and that sort of thing. But there are certain structures that are built for that and, and it's difficult to train any other way. Um, and if your only methodology involves strict movement all the time, you're missing out on some of that benefit. So one more reason that kipping can be super beneficial is it does allow an introduction in dynamic movement to the upper body, which can be a little bit harder to train in that regard. So it's cool. It's uh, one more way that the physiology can get stressed in a really positive way and develop in ways that it might not be able to otherwise. And people discount that because they, for whatever reason, they believe that these movements can only have a strict application. And, now, and you now let, me, let me caveat that by saying, yeah, by saying, can you take that too far? Can you, can you, because you're not relying only on the strength and stamina of the upper body, for example, can you take that too far too soon? Yes, it's probably arguable that you could take it too far too soon more easily than you could with a set of you know regular pull-ups because with regular pull-ups, you just end up mm-hmm. coming off the bar because you can't do anymore. But with the benefit of other muscle groups engaging, yeah, you can put yourself in a place that maybe you're not prepared for yet. Yep. So there is something there that you have to watch out for when you start introducing this, this kind of as a concept. But 
there's a ton of utility if you keep it within that performance envelope that's appropriate for where you are. Yeah, and I always think, and I don't know if this is a great example or whatnot, but with regards to if somebody just is painting with a broad brush with regards to kipping, momentum, inertia, like whatever you want to call it. Because like you said, it doesn't apply just to pull-ups. You could use it with a barbell. You could do it with all kinds of other things. And I think about like, you know, back in the day when I had to do like a lot of obstacle courses and, and mm -hmm. I mean, an obstacle course, there's nothing static about that. It is dynamic from start to finish where if you're surmounting a wall or doing whatever, I jump up and grab a, you know, an eight foot wall to get over it. I'm not trying to do a strict pull-up to get over that thing. I'm doing a leg swing to a heel hook. I mean, to whatever I can, mm -hmm. as fast as I can with as many muscle groups as I possibly can to get that work done. And that makes sense in the real world, the overwhelming majority of the time. And to think that training in that same manner wouldn't also have value and transference. Mm. I just don't, I can't connect the dots in that one. It doesn't, it doesn't connect the dots for me. So, but like I said, you know, hey, you can do it wrong. All you need to see is somebody who hasn't developed strict handstand push-up strength just bebopping their head off the ground for a bit and then, <laughs> then <laughs> yeah. kipping their cells back up to extension and then jackhammer down and kicking back up to extension you know you that's clearly not recommended that's clearly not what we're looking to do so like so many other things in this world name your favorite thing from the back squat to the thruster to running to kipping like you can understand it do it appropriately within the confines of your capacity with good technique, and it will serve you really well. You can do yep. it in an inappropriate fashion, too fast with too much load or too much reps under too much fatigue, and it's not gonna go well for you. Same, is kipping is the same, the same thing right there. And also, here's an interesting thing. Even as a tried and true CrossFit, you know, diehard individual, you don't have to do it. Uh, you, yeah, are, sure. you are a yep. free and autonomous citizen here on planet Earth. <laughs> and if you don't want to kip, even after hearing the benefits, fine. You can just not sure. kip in your yeah. strength and conditioning program and you'll still get pretty darn far. Like you're saying, you just might, you know, rounds two and three of Helen might take you 45 seconds more than everybody else. But then the other day, like you're still going to be fine if you're doing functional movements and you're pushing yourself and all these things. Maybe you only do your handstand push-up strict. All that stuff is fine. But again, you can do it well, and there are benefits to it. So we just want to kind of present to everybody out there, you know, kipping is not this thing that just exists because we like to race workouts. Yeah. It, well, it actually has some utility. To speculate on some of the ire around it too, I think there's probably this sense of shortcutting the movement and the progress of the movement. I think that there's probably some speculation in that regard. So you, say, you have somebody who's really critical of kipping. And I think a lot of times what's couched in that is, hey, this person can't do a strict pull-up. They are shortcutting their ability mm. uh, or their lack of ability. Um, and they're going straight to repping out a set of five or 10 when they clearly don't have the capacity to get up and over on their own, you know, just raw upper body strength. And I think we've covered that enough already where, you know, my opinion, is absolutely that that's a misapplication if that's the case if your intention behind learning to kip is like well that's how i'm going to get over the bar because i can't otherwise you're missing the point of where the right. real utility of the kip lies and same thing with the handstand push-up same thing with whatever you know you need to learn as you said already um, the strict application before you start really introducing this dynamic movement and in my opinion you'll get a lot more out of it 
if you take that longer road. It's a little less satisfying up front because it takes longer to get there, but at the end of the day, you become a more versatile, fitter, more well-rounded athlete for that, and that's the whole point. So yeah, th there can absolutely be a misapplication there in many different ways, and I think people wanna look at that misapplication and say, look, aha, bad. Yeah, and, and it's also funny how frequently somebody who throws stones can't do the movement. Sure. Yeah. Like I, I remember well, well, at more than one seminar, somebody, you know, or I'd be cross paths and be like, ah, oh, those are, those are cheating pull-ups. And I'd say, okay, well hop up on the bar and cheat me out 50. If there's such a cheating pull-up and they're like, well, I can't, I can't do that. It's like, well, you don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah so or there the, could be the alternative an that, the, yeah, the alternative of that where you have, you know, somebody who is really well-rounded and really fit and they're taking heat for doing a set of kipping pull-ups on camera somewhere. And Heaven the forbid. challenge comes back. It's like, hey, you know what? I will gladly match you rep for rep on strict pull-ups. And they do. Hey, you know right. what? I will gra gladly match you pound for pound on weighted pull-ups. And they do. And it's like, mm -hmm. what's your argument now? Like, I, I have this breadth of capacity. I can beat you in every single expression of this movement. The argument starts to fall apart on, on that level. Where would we be without social media and arguments? I don't know. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, that argument's been around a lot longer than a lot of the oh, more prominent yeah, yeah, social yeah, yeah. media these and, days. <laughs> and like I said, I remember back in 1998, first time that I saw it, it did not sit well with me. But also, I didn't understand it. And it's yeah. those two things of not liking something and not understanding something are frequently go hand in hand and then you you know as you understand more about it i also remember the first time not to go off on a tangent there was probably in yeah maybe around 98 as well i saw somebody doing a hang power clean for the first time mm. where i had just done you know again like bicep curls pec day like slow moving kind of kind of lift and here's this guy just you know just whipping this barbell from his hips to the racks and it's like what in the world are you doing? You are going to kill yourself and blow your spine out. Don't you know anything about working out? And he's like, I'm good. I'll, I'll, I'll take it from here. Yeah. I was like, I was like, what an idiot. You know, clearly <laughs> like, this person does not understand the barbell curl. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> What's uh, going on here? And now lo and behold, <laughs> but I had no idea about explosive training, no idea about hip drive. No, I mean, just sure. didn't know what I didn't know, but um, you couldn't convince me of that. Thought I knew it all. So, yeah. Well, as is the case many times, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't think I got anything else in my wonderful list here. Is there anything we neglected on your side? No, I don't think so. I, I guess the only thing uh, maybe to come back around full circle and, and talk about is that specific question around, hey, you know, I only train kipping pull-ups these days because I know they're going to show up in something like the open. Mm -hmm. what, what's the response to that? And what I would say in that situation is, hey, you know, if you are that far along and you have identified for yourself that maybe kipping pumps aren't your favorite movement or you're good enough at them that you really don't need to keep pushing the envelope there. Like maybe you're somebody who you can hop up and you can crank 30, 40, 50 reps in a row without breaking a sweat. Yeah, you probably have other things to be developing at that point. I agree. So in that case... I would probably argue that for that individual, they don't need to be practicing kipping pull-ups with that much regularity because they're already going to be there when they need them. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, branch out, start working your strict pull-up, you know, start, start working your uh, weighted pull-ups, start working your legless rope climbs with a little bit more gusto than, than those big, massive kipping pull-up sets. That's totally fine. And then just brush off that kipping skill once in a while when you know it's going to be demanded of you. And I bet you 
it's not going to take more than a session or two before you're right back where you were, or maybe even better. So to me, it seems weird to, to, to feel forced into specializing in that particular skill, even if you quote, know it's going to come up. Uh, it's probably there already, and you probably need to spend less time on it than you think. So that, yeah. that's my take on that particular circumstance. Fair enough. Well, I'd love to hear everybody else in the comments as well. Pro-kip, anti-kip, when you first had exposure and didn't know what was happening when you saw somebody kip, what was your first impression? And now how has that developed? Or how do you explain it to somebody that sees it and like, what in the world is happening in your gym that I visited today for a drop-in class? And uh, it's a be, be fascinating little story. So as we say to close out every show, appreciate all of you very much. If you want to help support the show, check out the show notes under this episode on the BTWB YouTube channel. There's a link. It's programs.btwb.com slash VNR. Got a whole bunch of cool programs there that we're uh, very proud of. I think there's like 19 right now. Body weight stuff, dumbbell stuff, get your first strict pull up, some barbell stuff. So if you've got somebody wants to get into it, check out the on-ramp course. Been around for a while. There's some cool skill development and hopefully a little something for everybody. So once again, for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood. And we will see you next time.